Another dominating win for Max Verstappen, this time in Mexico City, and this time it was for the record. 14th victory of the season for Max, and once again, it was pretty easy. I hate to say this race was boring, but I'm not going to say it was exciting either because it was anything but. Nevertheless, we're going to go over the Mexico City Grand Prix, go over the team reviews, and also discuss Max's boycott of Sky Sports and the comments made by pit reporter Ted Kravitz. It's the Overtake F1 podcast. I'm Tony Dezuri. Thanks for joining us. We're going to review the Mexico City Grand Prix, but before we do, want to thank you for listening to this podcast. Please consider subscribing. Leave us a five-star review if you like what we've been doing. If it's your first time listening, listening to the podcast, don't subscribe, don't leave a review. Please give us a few episodes. See if you like it. See if the way we do this podcast is to your taste. And if we are, I hope you will consider subscribing and leaving us a five-star review. It does help us grow. It does help the algorithms and all of that. I'm not going to try to make this race into something it wasn't because frankly, it was a walk in the park for Verstappen. He won this thing with ease and by doing so, he now sets a new record for the most wins in a single season with 14. He did so in the 20th race of the year. He beat the old mark of 13 that was set by both Michael Schumacher and Sebastian Vettel. The one thing that I will take away from this season though is just how easy he is making it look. This is a sport where tenths of a second are absolutely gold and he's winning by margins that would allow you to make a sandwich before second place even crosses the line. He's doing all of this while overcoming some significant obstacles along the way. Start near the back of the midfield, no problem. Win by 27 seconds. Get us 11-second pit stop for a stuck tire gum, no problem. I'll cruise to a win as well. I'll spin out in hungry, no problem. I'll just correct it and get the checkered flag. Things that should derail you, things that we think are going to be a problem in a sport where you can get competitors pretty close, he is just making it look easy. There is nothing he can't seem to overcome this season. He has the best car by such a large margin that this season is almost comical. Let's take a look at the tire strategy, for example, at the Mexico City Grand Prix. Verstappen and Sergio Perez are going to start the race on soft tires. Mercedes right behind them on the grid. Good qualifying efforts for them. They were on mediums. Now, if you're going with a one-stop strategy on the softs, you're going to have to make the mediums or the hards, whichever tire you choose in the second stint, to go the good distance after you get off the softs. Now, it's a little bit easier to do, obviously, on the hards, but the mediums, they kind of become a gamble, right? How much degradation are you going to get to get to the end of the Grand Prix? Mercedes, now they were starting on the mediums, and I think they were trying to figure out rolling the dice if Red Bull was going to take a two-stop strategy. Mercedes could get a good number of laps on those mediums. They could get even more extra laps, if you will, while Red Bull was pitting to get off the softs. Maybe Mercedes could get to a point where they could go on softs at the end, and that might give them an advantageous situation when the tire wear was starting to consume Red Bull, whatever tire they would be on, especially especially if Red Bull was going to go on the mediums. Maybe the thought from Mercedes was, well, if they're going to start on the softs, they're probably going for a two-stop strategy. We make the mediums last, we go on hards, and then we win the Grand Prix because we'll only have to make the one-stop. But that became irrelevant, and it became irrelevant because both Verstappen and Perez were able to get to the end of the Grand Prix on the medium tires. So when Mercedes came in for hards... It's kind of pointless because they weren't getting off the mediums, which Mercedes thought that they were going to have to do. Now, the main reason that Red Bull didn't have to go to a two-stop strategy is because the tire degradation was not as bad on the softs as they thought and that the mediums could get them to the end. 
Mercedes, though, may have pitted a little too soon after Red Bull did to get off those soft tires and onto the mediums. It came in like four laps later. But again, I think they were thinking that Red Bull was going to make a second stop, a second stop that they didn't have to. But once Red Bull committed to the one-stop strategy, let's get these mediums to the finish line, there was nothing Mercedes could do. They were out out of luck because there was no way they were going to catch up, even with some tire degradation. They were not going to get those hard tires working in enough to beat Red Bull on the mediums, even if the mediums were quite old. Now, Max did a really great job at the start of this race, and the soft tires certainly helped. Mexico City begins with a really long straight. It's like Monza. It's really long. This is where you're going to get the, the most speed almost of any Grand Prix circuit on the calendar. And it's easy to get overtaken when you're the leader because the other car is going to be in the slipstream, and they can get out of that slipstream and make a move into turn one and take the lead away from you. But Verstappen was able to block off the charge from Mercedes, Hamilton's kind of had to get rid of George Russell at the start and be like, I'm taking him. You sit back there. I'm, I'm, we're not battling each other, kid. You're, I'm going to go after Max. You, you get behind me. But Max was able to hold off both of them and then off to the races he went because that's basically all this was. This ended up being Max Verstappen with the lead of this Grand Prix and Max Verstappen doing nothing else but leading this Grand Prix. So as I said just a few minutes ago, I'm not going to tell you that this was boring, but I'm not going to tell you it was exciting either, but it was pretty close to boring. I mean, there's really nothing else to say about this. This was just another Red Bull dominated race. Now Mercedes gave it its best effort and they gambled on the right tire strategy that turned out to be the wrong tire strategy, but at least they were trying to put something together. You might give Hannah Schmitz another round of applause for this because she again put Red Bull in the right position to win this race. And it wouldn't have mattered if Sergio Perez had crossed the line or Max Verstappen crossed the line. They had the better strategy here. But nevertheless, Lewis Hamilton comes in second. It's another podium for him. And Sergio Perez in front of the raucous home crowd uh, finishes third. And he also gets on the podium like he did last year in Mexico City. Now, I love that city. I think it's great for former. Formula One. They are very passionate. They love Checo Perez. It's a really, really good party. But the Autodrome Hermanos Rodriguez is not my favorite circuit. I don't think it's very thrilling. It's got that one moment where they drive into that stadium section, and I think it's beautiful to see. I think it does add so much to the sort of aesthetics of the Formula One Grand Prix circuit, but I don't think its overall layout is all that thrilling. But nevertheless, uh, this was one of the races that is easily forgettable if it wasn't attached to what is now the single season record for wins in Formula One. All right, let's go over the team report real quick, and then we're going to get into the Sky Sports uh, boycott by Max Verstappen based on comments that were made in Austin by Ted Kravitz. All right, we're going to start with Red Bull. Max dominated for the victory. Checo got a podium in front of the home crowd, as I mentioned earlier. It's another fantastic day for the team because even when they make a mistake, they don't suffer for it. Perez hit a slow pit stop. That may have hurt him in catching Hamilton, but that's being a little bit picky. This team is solid right now, and once again, Hannah Schmidt's a great job in the strategy call for the this team and for this Grand Prix. Softs to mediums, that's, that was the answer. 
As far as Mercedes goes, the medium hard strategy did not work out. Now, the hard tires were very difficult to get working when that change was made. The main reason, though, that the strategy didn't work is because Mercedes was thinking that Red Bull was going to need a second stop and a second stop they didn't have to take. The team does feel they're getting closer on pace, and both drivers feel they stood a puncher's chance if they were on the same strategy as Red Bull. You would have never heard them say that at any other point during this season. They think this car has gotten better and better and better, and next year they should be on pace. Uh, we'll see, but in the end, you can't deny that their results are are on the board. They, they've really done a good job as the, as the Grand Prix have been ticking off the calendar. Ferrari, good grief, nothing. I mean, well, both drivers finished in the top 10, but they didn't do anything in Mexico City. They did not. I mean, Charles Leclerc finished sixth. Carlos Sainz ran fifth. They were just not capable of getting their car into the fight at the front of the field. But the, here was the thing. The midfield couldn't catch them either. So basically, they were just driving around the circuit and picking up points. They couldn't compete in the front. The back couldn't get them either. So they're just kind of riding around for 71 laps, pitting and just changing some tires. Uh, unfortunately, Mercedes did eat into their constructor's lead for P2. But I'll give Ferrari this, and this is important. When you don't have the car, and sometimes you know as the weekend is beginning and you're doing your testing that you don't have the car, the idea is bring it home safely, try to get some points. Both drivers did that. They could tell this car wasn't going to be competitive, maybe at the altitude, whatever it was, but get around, get some points, and let's get the hell out of here. And they did. A fifth-place finish and a sixth-place finish, and, and that was it. Nobody went DNF. Nobody crashed. Could I say it was a good weekend? No, because they weren't on the podium and they weren't up front. But at the same time, they didn't do any damage either other than lose a few points in the P2 race for the constructor's standings. McLaren. How about Daniel Ricciardo? Finished seventh, but he also did get a 10-second penalty for taking out Yuki Tsunoda. But his strategy was really good. Go as long as possible on the mediums, then get a fresh soft, and then start climbing through the field. That's what he did. He passed Valtteri Botas and both the Alpine drivers. You're in driver of the day, despite the 10-second penalty. Um, but the penalty was the cloud on the day, he said afterwards. But still, really rock-solid strategy, rock-solid drive for Daniel Ricciardo, outside of that contact, of course. Lando Norris lost a few places at the start of the Grand Prix, but he didn't really like those hard tires. He finished ninth. That was a good points finish for them. Alpine. Fernando Alonso suffered an engine cylinder issue. He had to retire. That brought out the virtual safety car. Things could have got a little interesting, but they got it out pretty quickly. And so it didn't really amount to anything. He was pretty quick out there too. And it is too bad that he couldn't get that thing home because it looked like it was going to be a nice points finish for him. But remember, before the Grand Prix, he was reinstated to seventh from the Austin race. So that was good news because many of us felt like he shouldn't have been penalized at Austin for driving that, quote, unsafe car. But nevertheless, it was a DNF finish for him in, uh, in Mexico City. Esteban Ocon finished eighth. He was trying to get into that 10-second window by with Ricardo, trying to get within that so he could pick up a spot. But he just missed out on that. Again, the hard tires were a struggle at the end for that team. Ricardo was able to pass both of them in that final stint as Ricardo was on the softs. Alfa Romeo, 
Valtteri Botas earned a point for the team after getting into Q3 Saturday. He finished 10th. He also went on the hard tires for the second stint, and that really didn't get up to temperature. Do you feel a pattern here, by the way, with the hard tires? Zhou Guanyu finished 13th, went long on the first set of tires. And as a rookie, though, he was not as familiar with the track. He admitted afterwards that it affected his race because it did prove to be a little bit tricky for him. Alphatari, Pierre Gasly finished 11th. Yuki Tsunoda was taken out by Ricardo. Boy, was he upset. Uh, Gasly started 14th on the grid, just couldn't get that car into the top 10. He was close, though. Sonoda, though, made a really good point after the race. Ricardo was trying too aggressively to go for the overtake at that particular point on the track. And by, and that was pointless because he was on a better tire and he was on a better strategy. He could have just overtaken Sonoda at some other location on the circuit. But instead, it was just a little too aggressive for where they were on the track. And that cost Sonoda the race. And it also cost Ricardo a 10-second penalty. Um, Haas, not much to say about the two drivers on this American team. Mick Schumacher, 16th. Kevin Magnussen, 17th. Mick started on the softs. K-Mag on the mediums. It didn't matter. Neither car had any pace. By the way, still waiting on who's going to get that second seat for Haas next season. I still think Mick Schumacher ends up with a deal, but nevertheless, I don't know. They're still talking about who it could possibly be. Um, for Williams, Nicholas Latifi had some damage early on. Whatever. He finished 18th. He just drove around the back of the pack and was the last driver to finish after the two DNFs on the day. Alex Albon, though, ran 12th. He made some good overtakes on the back end after dropping down to 19th early in the race. All right, so like I said, that's a quick review of this thing because there's really not much to add. There really, Other than the Sonoda-Ricardo contact, there wasn't a lot of controversy. There wasn't a lot of strategy. I mean, we had just come from what I thought was the best race of the season in Austin to probably one of the most boring races of the season in Mexico City. Nevertheless, the atmosphere, the party, all of that, the cheering for Checo, booing for Lewis Hamilton, I mean, which Checo said, hey, please don't. Um, it was all part of the Mexico City uh, weekend. Another part of the Mexico City weekend was the acknowledgement by Max Verstappen that he would not be speaking to Sky Sports at all the entire weekend. Now, there's a report that they've mended fences a little bit, but what he was protesting was comments that were made by Ted Kravitz in Austin. And basically, he's kind of getting fed up with the whole idea that he stole or robbed or took away the Grand Prix victory at Abu Dhabi, thus giving him the 2021 championship. Now, if you didn't hear the report from Ted Kravis, it was part of his notebook segment, and I, I can't play the cuts because I don't have the rights to it, but it basically talks, he was talking about Brad Pitt being in the pit area in, uh, in, in attendance at the Grand Prix in Texas, and that he was talking about sort of this Hollywood ending that could have happened for Lewis Hamilton, who was robbed of the, of the championship a year ago, and he's fighting at the end, the guy that won the championship of the race in which he was robbed. Now, that wording is kind of key because he doesn't actually say that Max Verstappen robbed Lewis Hamilton of the victory. He just said on two occasions in trying to set up that narrative of what a Hollywood ending it could have been for Lewis Hamilton had he won in Austin, that he mentioned twice that Hamilton was robbed of that race and robbed of that championship. But he didn't come out and say that Verstappen actually did it. So there's two sides to this, and I'll tell you where I, I fit in a minute, but I'm going to give you two sides. One, Verstappen is tired of that kind of conversation because it diminishes his and his team's accomplishment of actually winning the 2021 World Championship and winning the race at Abu Dhabi to claim it. 
The second thing is, is that most of us are still kind of bothered and some of us hurt, especially if you're a Mercedes fan or a Lewis Hamilton fan, that that race ended the way it is. Now, I don't root for either one of them. I try to bring some impartiality to this podcast, but I've been a Ferrari fan for a very long time, so I didn't have a dog in this fight. But I will say as a Formula One fan, it bothered me because the biggest stage, the biggest race, one of the most important races in the sports history, and you can go through all of the years that this the Formula One has been around, a showdown between two drivers at the season-ending Abu Dhabi race. We've seen it before, but this one was a pretty big deal, and it ended like that. So in front of the billion people that watched it around the globe, it was very, very, very messy. And I don't like sports to be messy. I don't like sports to be controversial. So did Ted Kravitz insinuate that Max Verstappen stole this? No, he basically implied something we all know and basically kind of stating a fact, but using a different kind of language. Michael Massey made a huge mistake. The FIA said there was human error in the ending of that race at Abu Dhabi. So every one of us should at least acknowledge that that race was not run correctly, that the ending of that race did not end the way it should have ended. If you're a Max Verstappen fan, hear me out on this. It's okay because it has nothing to do with the illegitimacy or the legitimacy of his championship. Max Verstappen won this thing fair and square. And the reason he won it, because if you go to any sport, and I don't care what sport it is, right? It can be um, Diego Maradona's hand of God goal. It could be a Super Bowl that's badly officiated. It could be an NBA finals game where the official blows the whistle on a phantom foul. It does not matter. It could be a call strike three with the ball two feet outside the plate. It does not matter. If the officials make a mistake and you win because of that mistake, you still win. We don't take championships away from teams or people because of a mistake made by the officials. And in this case, Michael Massey made an error. And Max Verstappen ran the race as it was dictated to him by the FIA officials. So I think we can all agree on a few facts here. One, Max Verstappen is the world champion if you take the premise that in the end, the driver is only responsible to run the race that is dictated to him by the officials, even if we find out later that the officials made the mistake. That's just the way it is. Two, there was a mistake by Michael Massey. There is no ifs, ands, or buts about this. If you're the most staunch Max Verstappen fan, you're still champion, but that was a mistake by Michael Massey to run the race in that final lap like he did. Ted Kravitz is adding another spice to this, and that was coming off the heels of, hey, by the way, Red Bull in 2021, they overspent on the cost cap. So is he implying in his conversation about a Hollywood ending and being robbed? Is he implying somehow that there's a second force of nature that was added to this and it was Red Bull racing? Oh yeah. The FIA made a mistake. Michael Massey, human error. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Should have never happened. But oh, by the way, wink, wink, Red Bull went over the cap. 
If that's the case, I understand why Max wants to boycott it. I can understand Max's boycott in two ways. And by the way, I've been a journalist for a long time. I've been a reporter on the scene in the locker rooms, traveling with teams, covering games. I hate it when somebody's boycotting me, maybe not me per se, but a colleague of mine. I've worked with some pretty high end, high level uh, talk show hosts in my time in Colorado and whatnot. And I hated it when I had my little mic flag and somebody went, oh yeah, that's the station so-and-so is on. I don't like him. They won't talk to me because of that. That's happened to me twice actually. But in this case, Kravitz makes this comment and I think Max is like enough, enough. And you know what? Here's the way it's going to work. You're going to want access to me. I'm not going to give you access. And my message is this. Stop saying that. Stop it. Stop saying that uh, Lewis Hamilton was robbed, implying that maybe it was the FIA. Maybe it was the cost cap. I don't know. Like, just stop having that conversation. Now, on the other hand, I want Ted Kravitz to call as he sees it, right? I mean, in his notebook segment, he kind of does get a little commentary-ish. When he's, on the, when he's on the pit lane, he's giving us the facts and he's throwing a little commentary, right? Uh, but mostly he's telling us who's pitting, how they're pitting, what tires they're on. Com- you know, he's, he's giving us the details of what's happening. But in his notebook segment, he does do some commentary. He does do a little bit of opinion and the highs and the lows of the particular Grand Prix. In this case, he used the word robbed twice in describing this sort of Hollywood movie script. And it's not sitting well with Verstappen. And it's not because that particular comment didn't sit well. I am sure this has sort of been underneath him and the team for a while. That when you're this global, you know, network and you're broadcasting Formula One around the world, it gets a little tiring when every time they talk about 2021, there's the word robbed, stolen, all these sort of, you know, adjectives that are used to describe the way that season went down. And if you're Red Bull, you want legitimacy to it. Now, don't get me wrong. I, there, I'm on, I'm really upset with Red Bull for going over the cost cap, even though it's wasn't a lot. To me, it's still a very, very important penalty that they had to suffer. Because you can't, one, buy your way out of that. If you go over the cost cap and you're just being fined and you're a rich team, just keep paying the fine and go over the cost cap if that's all they're going to do to you. But under no circumstances, and this goes for all the American sports here too that I cover, I don't like going back in time and retroing championships. Here in the United States, if you if if the, the NCAA is kind of notorious for this, the college athletics department. That if you're listening around the world, the NCAA runs college sports. Um, so if if a basketball team wins the championship and they find out like two years later that there was an ineligible player on the court, or the team did something wrong in recruiting, or they committed some violations that are worthy of having the title stripped from them, they'll have the title stripped from them. They will say in 2013, Louisville didn't win the NCAA championship. But what they don't do is they don't say the team that beat them, that they beat, I should say, Michigan, they don't say they're the champions. They just say title was just vacated. So they don't go and you get the championship. Sorry, hey, congratulations. They don't do that. I think they do it in like little league baseball where they find out like a kid pitcher is like 28 years old. And then they gather like the California team at a Denny's and go, Hey, by the way, you're the U S champs or whatever it is, but they don't do it at the highest level. And there wasn't one moment in discussing the possible penalties for Red Bull because of this cost breach that was, was even in these possible Max Verstappen gives up the championship and it's awarded to Lewis Hamilton conversation. 
right? I, I just don't think that that was even on the table and it would have been a bad look for the sport. You may argue that it's not a good look for the sport to have the winning team go over the cost cap in a controversial manner. I'd hear you out, but I also don't think it's good when you start retro moving around championships and saying, Oh no, actually you did win back in 2012. You did win back in 2015. You actually did win in 2021. I think it's a terrible look for the sport because you can always go back and you can find some things right or wrong about games or contests or whatever. And we can't just fix everything. So overall, overall picture is I want to hear Ted Kravitz speak his mind. I, I hope he still does. I hope that gets me- the message to the teams. Like, you don't want to speak to us. That's fine. But we're not going to be censoring our reporters talking about the way they see things in the sport. You don't have to talk to them, but we are certainly not going to stop talking about the way we see the sport. I hope that continues. That's more of the journalist that is in me. But I also do understand Max Verstappen. He doesn't owe them an interview if he doesn't want to do an interview. And if he feels like they are disrespecting him, if they if, if he feels like they are they are hammering a nail that he wants to stop, you know, that just consistent bang, 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 bang. But instead of that, it's robbed, robbed, stolen, robbed, robbed. Uh, he has every right to say that. He has every right to use any power that he has as the world champion to say, you know what? How about this? You stop, I'll start talking. Okay. And then if Sky Sports wants to stop saying those kind of things, they can get Max back. And if Max wants to utilize Sky Sports to talk about something that he, that's bothering him, and sometimes that outlet is able to do it better than other outlets around the world, then he certainly can do that. All right. That's our Mexico City review. Again, short, simple. It was rather boring race, but nevertheless, Max Verstappen picks up his 14th win of the season. Okay. We're off this weekend. And then next week, we will have a preview of Brazil. Home of one of the most exciting races of 2021, by the way. We'll go over that race, things to watch out for. Once again, please subscribe to the podcast if you like what you're hearing. And it also, uh, leave us a five-star review too because it helps us with the algorithms. I'll, I'll keep saying this. There are a lot of Formula One podcasts that are out there. They're usually an hour, hour plus. Got a number of different people all talking. I've done this a little differently. This is more of an American sports talk show host style, more of a monologue style. I do hope you enjoy it. So if you'd like to reach me, you can do so on Twitter at Tony D Radio. Also, you can email me Tony D Radio Show at Yahoo.com. Back in uh, next week for a preview of Brazil. I'm Tony Desiri. This is the Overtake F1 podcast.